All right. All right. Well, here we are. Here we are. Dude. I'm not ready. <laughs> Did you start it? Yeah, I'm recording. I'm just trying to find a place to enter. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Screen Looking, a podcast where some of my closest friends and I look closer at some of our favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar. Thanks for joining us. So if you're an avid gamer, the term screen looking is probably already familiar to you. For those who aren't, what it is, it's when you're playing a multiplayer experience. Instead of being blind to another player's view, actions, and location when out of sight, you can simply look at their screen to spy on them. It's easy, effective, and difficult to avoid doing. And that definition comes from the Critical Gaming Glossary by Richard Terrell, which was a huge help in uh, coming up with the name of the show. Whether or not you've listened to a gaming podcast before, the format of the show is pretty straightforward. What we'll do is we'll look at one game per episode and do a deep dive into it, mostly from a creative standpoint. And that means that we'll dig into the story, we'll look closer at the artwork, We'll try to unpack the design a little bit from an interactive standpoint. So really anything that just helped us appreciate it more. My guests and I will usually compare our experiences. We'll offer insights or anything we may have found out about the creation of the game, uh, share observations about our separate playthroughs, and hopefully discover something new along the way. If you like what you hear, stick around to the end for more information about future programming and what to expect from the show in the weeks and months to come. So typically, this show is going to cover games that we've already played, and that could be games of all shapes and sizes, spanning genres, so you know anything from a larger AAA game to something more subtle, like in an independently developed game. You know, nothing, nothing is off the table, um, but for this first episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and special. In 1996, the original Resident Evil was released for the Sony PlayStation, This game had a major impact on the medium, most notably for defining the survival horror genre. On the flip side, it also became notorious for its unintentionally hilarious voice acting and clunky dialogue. What is this? Stop it! Don't open that door! What is it? Blood. Hope this is not Chris's blood. What is it? What is this all about? I can't figure it out at all. Here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. That was too close. But two years later, Capcom released the widely acclaimed sequel, Resident Evil 2, and 20 years later, they're finally remaking it. So, technically, while we have yet to play this game that we're about to talk about, we are more than familiar with the source material, and I could not think of a more appropriate guest than my dear friends in second grade, the true master of unlocking, and the biggest Resident Evil fan that I know, Alex Koval. What's up, man? That is me. I am indeed one of the biggest Resident Evil fans. I know people say that all the time, but uh, yeah, my love goes back a long way. And uh, probably probably the nerdiest thing, I'm not so much a big collector of Resident Evil stuff, but uh, probably my nerdiest Resident Evil moment is that I took a summer... And Andy knows this quite well because mm-hmm. he was involved with it. 
to make a fan film based off of the events of Resident Evil 1. And uh, yeah, I may have a uh, fully functional and perfectly fitting Chris Redfield costume. That looks pretty pretty cool on myself, if I do say so. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember doing that. There's pics out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, my memory... My memories go back, for, for Resident Evil go back to when I was probably about 10 or 11, mm-hmm. uh, playing it over our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Chris Snyder's house, and uh, playing it until we died because we didn't have a memory card. And oh, just, yeah. <laughs> once we got back to the, the mansion with the hunters just getting slaughtered, and then, you know, it would be like two in the morning, and we'd go outside and try to sleep in a tent, and we'd end up like back inside in like two hours. We just were afraid zombies were going to like <laughs> leap on us in the night. Yeah, Every think, dog bark was like, well, we're going to die now. So, you know, I think it's funny you mentioned that because I remember when jumping to Resident Evil 2, the original, when that, when that one came out, that game was like, it was, I feel like it's, it's important because to me, it was one of the first times that a video game like, realized and rendered like a Midwestern style type city and just letting it go amok and just get overrun and it just it really like created that fantasy of oh this looks like a place i know and i think it sort of planted that seed of you walk outside at night in the summer and you feel like oh i could run into some weird monster out here some weird zombie and it seems like a perfectly normal like i don't know like just like the local setting of that i just feel i don't know i can't remember of another game that really like tackled that head-on at that time when the technology was so limited so yeah i I would agree i think that uh yeah in resident evil 2 it's you know in resident evil 1 the zombies are in this like isolated mansion off the beaten path you kind of have to like they just happen upon it but in resident evil 2 it's like the zombies come to you yeah away from like society uh and so when they threw you into this like street with storefronts and traffic lights and cars just parked in any direction just because people were trying to escape the city it it really like it was pretty uh, kind of a traumatic experience as a game because it just was like oh yeah this is too close to home, um, but yeah speaking of that I mean I mean just what you've been waiting for this we've been waiting for this for a long time I can't remember how, I don't know how many conversations we've had where every other time we bring up oh you think they're gonna still remake it or after we played the first remake well they've got to do two I mean that game looked just as aged it looked just as dated so they have to tackle that one next right and that was you know 2002 right that they redid the first time 2001 yeah yeah so i mean it's been it's been a while and people have been thinking about this so i mean what do you how do you feel i mean it finally happened we felt like it was never going to happen so yeah i've just been frantically checking my i've been doing google searches pretty much every day just sorting by like most recent updates you know when is this game coming out when is this game coming out just hungry for any news Mm -hmm. and yeah, people were kind of speculating there were some leaked rumors and yada yada, but then I saw a couple of days ago that some store in Japan was going to be selling a Leon uh, Kennedy uh, RPD jacket in October, and I was like, right. hmm, because that's very, and it was like remodeled, it was like very like new looking, like the RPD logo had changed and everything, and I was like, that seems very co- coincidental, and I'm like, a couple of days before E3, and we haven't heard anything in three years and people keep saying it's coming, it's coming. And sure enough, wham, there it is. And I just lost my mind. I am so excited. Yeah. I The, the leak that to me, I thought tipped its hand was, you know, you see like these 
really vague bullet points that someone just put, puts up. It's like anyone could have written this. But it was a list of bullet points about what we could expect in the remake. And it was things like it's going to be revealed at E3 2018. It's going to happen. The game's going to drop six months later. It's going to be Resident Evil 2 and the Resident Evil 7 engine with all this realistic lighting. And it was just like bullet point after bullet point of like, this sounds too good to be true. But then there was a bullet point at the end that was uh, saying that they were going to scrap the A, B campaigns that you and I were talking about earlier, where when you play the game uh, as one character, the decisions or the path or the, the items you take in that campaign affect, they ripple into the other one. So it feels like the two characters, their parallel storylines are, are like reacting to one another. And that was a really innovative thing. And I thought, man, that's a really weird bullet point. It's really specific. And it's kind of a con, I think, for the hardcore fans who would expect them to retain that feature. So I thought this has to happen because why would you point that out? Like, why would you say that feature is going to get cut? And, you know, lo and behold, today they had a there's a feature I read on Game Informer that in fact, they were cutting that to probably focus on each campaign and add more stuff to the game. So uh, I felt like once I read that, I was like, okay, maybe. And then once they 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 did the trailer and it, it popped up and they did the nice bait and uh, bait and switch um, with the sort of like VR demo they were doing. So that was great. Yeah. You just noticed the little PlayStation One that was on the shelf. No, I didn't see that. No way. Yeah, like when the light shines in the room for the first time, there's the rats like standing or sitting right next to a PlayStation oh. one. Oh, Oh, that's funny. A nice little nod. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited. I mean, this is, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, people keep saying is going to happen and there's rumors and they're not validated and then it happens and it's pretty surreal. But, um, why are we so excited about it? Do you want to go into like what made resident evil two so great? You talked a little bit about, um, some of the things in resident evil one that were memorable or, that stood out to you that, that stuck with you as a kid, but what was it about RE2? Cause that game came out only a couple of years later and it was like, it was a really, it was a different game. It, it was, they really stepped it up a notch and like, what to you uh, in your memory is like, this is what planted it as the, uh, the definitive game that we remember it as. Oh man, where do I begin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just think resident evil two, like point for point is one of the strongest sequels in video game history, I dare say. Um, it just took everything, you know, Resident Evil 1 had already proved that it had very successful formula that was addictive, uh, this sort of blend between action, survival horror, sort of like a mystery element to it. And Resident Evil just took all of those things and just approved upon them in pretty much every way they could. Um, you know, like we were mentioning earlier on, you know, the mansion starts off, you know, you're, the, you see your first zombie and you're just like, what the heck is that? You know, like you're just so confused trying to fight it off. Um, you know, you're just trying to make sense of things by resident, by the time resident evil two rolls around, like zombies are old, kind of old hat in a way. Mm-hmm. So the way it just throws you into the middle of this like zombie infested city where literally the, the load screen loads up and it's just zombies from all directions. I remember, uh, you know, I was I was actually uh, playing through Resident Evil Remake with my fiance, and uh, you know, the first zombie is like a nice little introduction. Like, okay, this is what the what with the how fast they move. This is kind of what they do. Like when they get you, um, it kind of like gives you a nice little like pat on the back. Like, okay, this is your first zombie. Go ahead and go ahead and deal with it. Resident Evil Two is <laughs> not like that at all. And I remember playing it with her for the for the first time, 
and just like the struggle getting to like even the first door you know and i remember that was how it was for me like you know it's you're just you're not prepared and i just love that they throw you into it uh head first mm-hmm. um you know there's there's that just that there's a it's a different level of confusion you know you're not saying like what is this thing attacking me but you're just like how did this town go to hell um you know and it, and it establishes this mystery that you know in the first game you're trying to figure out you know how did uh you know how did this how did all these zombies come to be in this mansion you figure out its umbrella you know you know why where the zombies came from yeah the virus right yeah the the virus outbreak and in this one you're just like well how did this whole city go like go down go down the you know go down the drain pretty much Mm -hmm. um you know it takes it takes a lot of the campy dialogue you know for better or worse there's no more masters of unlocking there's no more no more jill sandwiches uh you know a lot of barry burton's lines like oh my god there is the there's a truck driver there's a truck driver in the beginning why do you bite me? <laughs> There's a couple quips in there that are pretty good still, but yeah, you're yeah you're right. And I I feel like when I first played RE2, what surprised me was just being surrounded by cars that were on fire and zombies, <laughs> and feeling like you were trapped and you like you said you had nowhere to go. There's this sense of urgency, and there's like they really ramped up the cinematic quality of like the game design, like the the premise of just even it was really exciting. Like okay, you're a rookie cop on your first day on the job or you're this college student who's looking for her missing brother and the fact that they set up raccoon city so slowly in the first game but they never showed it really they just talked about it they built up this world around it like there's a, a police department you are these special agents in the first game from like the special ops group from that department you're reading stories newspaper clippings they're just slowly building up this little tapestry of what raccoon city could be and it feels like one of those places maybe you won't see because it's like in back and back then it was just easier to render, um, you know, some small rooms and, and whatnot and have very like you know, low interior dim lighting. And so to think, oh, we're going to go to the city and see it. It felt like Capcom just pulled the curtain back and we're like, OK, here's this thing we've been talking about. And it felt like it made it feel like Resident Evil 1 and 2 became this really cool pair. Like you really almost have to play both of them in order to get the full picture. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, it, it, it amazes me going back and playing it. Like, you know, the first game obviously has the element, the trappings of like a sort of Gothic horror uh, story where you're in this like, you know, man, especially the remake. Oh my goodness. Like you're in this old creepy mansion with these underground tunnels and there's lightning and thunder and like, you know, floorboards that creak, uh, old guard you know, houses, very, greenhouses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just very, um, very like horror movie. But like somehow they managed to take that with Resident Evil 2 and still, even though it's in an urban landscape, still have this like gothic haunting element, you know, whether it's like these moans you hear from the zombies on the streets or, you know, these like uh, busted windows with like wooden boards in them. The police station has that really huge empty hall where you can hear like every single footstep just echo yeah like Um, the basketball court in in near the intro like in that in the prologue yeah and uh you know they in in addition to all these things you know they did stuff like you know the zapping system where Mm -hmm. uh it which for its time was really creative and really got around some crazy technological limitations i think where you know you play through the game as one character and the choices that you make in small ways do affect you know you save your game at the end uh 
and then you start the you start a new game as the next character and you as you go through you realize that the choices you made as the first character affect your second playthrough mm-hmm. so items might not be there or enemies might not be there depending on you know what you took or who, what you what you killed um and that was just so creative uh you know it it ultimately led to four different types of playthroughs um and you know in in each uh, scenario, whether it was Leon's A and B scenario or Claire's A and B scenario, the you had to play all of the scenarios to get the actual full story of what happened to Raccoon City. William Birkin, um, you know, uh, Brian Irons, uh, and and basically all the entire cast, pretty much. Yeah, Ada. yeah, yeah. Because you ended up like triggering maybe uh, cutscenes that needed a certain path to happen or a character interaction where you have to be in a certain hallway at a certain time to run into that character or maybe get into a room that has a document or like, uh, like projector files, like film. Um, yeah. All these little things that end up again, like you piece them all together and you can sort of paint your own picture of what, what happened. And it's somewhat ambiguous, but there's enough information to basically figure out that this was this, this like massive corruption, uh, like, pharmaceutical company that that went totally awry and it just spun out of control and on top of defining a genre it was doing things like that that people had never seen quite before in a video game you're you're used to play the game you have a certain amount of lives you go from left to right you just move forward the whole time and and that's pretty much it but yeah resident evil had a lot of that on top of all the strategy elements but what do we you know now that we've established what why it's so important that this game is getting remade i mean what to you, it, it's it's really, first and foremost, it's a graphical total. It, it's being completely redone. It it looks incredible when you compare the pictures. It's just laughable, the difference that it makes. Um, it almost makes you think this is probably what they saw when they were making the game but couldn't achieve it. Um, we could just go into the, you know, what's changed and how we think about what they're doing with it because they're, they're making a lot of bold moves. Uh, if you if you feel good to go into that, or is there anything else you wanted to bring up about the original? Um, that's pretty much it. The only other thing I had was uh, that I was thinking about was, um, you know, in terms of gameplay, uh, I just feel like Resident Evil Two stepped it up in terms of like the enemies that you fight and mm. the psychological ways that kind of plays with with uh, your experience, you know, through the game, like. I thought William Birkin was just such an excellent enemy. Um, you know, the fact that the first time you see him, he's just this kind of sort of mutated guy with a big eye on his arm and a pipe. And he just, if he gets close enough, he beats you or whatever. Uh, you know, that's like William Birkin's first form. Um, it's not technically the first time you meet him because you meet him in the B scenario. So you have to play through the game, but whatever. Uh, that's his first form, you know, and then slowly through the game, he every time you think you kill him, he just gets bigger and stronger to the point because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what the g-virus does or whatever um and that is kind of terrifying because you're just like you know okay i've been able i had to like empty two shotgun two full shotgun rounds into him or whatever uh to just to get him to go away but i know he's not dead what's he gonna look like when he comes back you know and just trying to prepare for that next inevitable you know throw down with this guy he starts off like a pretty normal looking dude and then ends up by the end of the game just being this blob of tentacles and eyeballs yeah um yeah thought it was just brilliant you know like and then you have mr x who you have to fight like multiple times throughout the game and just you always feel like you're just dogged you never know like what's gonna what's gonna come at you and uh you know obviously those those enemies kind of set the bar and eventually led to 
you know, the development of Nemesis. Um, right. Yeah. Know, for better or worse, but they sort of, if you look at it um, from one to two, they they almost take the idea of the end boss of the tyrant at the end of Resident Evil One, which is like the the the, the like master mutation zombie like biological uh, weapon creature that they they created in a science lab and there's okay this is like our magnum opus like weapon and you fight that and you only get to really fight it and see it for the last maybe 10-15 minutes of the game you you come at it twice so in resident evil 2 not only is is that character that end boss you you fight them really early on and fight them in stages but they're their character is crucial to the storyline because they're the one that came up with this new form of the virus, this new strain. They had to administer it on themselves to survive. And it, it again, another thing that backfired. So they, they really took that idea and like gave it to the player right up front and just kind of let them know, like you can never kill this thing. You can only subdue it, which just added to the horror of like at any moment in the game, when is this thing going to reappear? Um, so just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. added that sense of dread that you didn't quite know that. So yeah, I think that's something the Resident Evil series has played with really well. It's just thinking of how you can integrate basically the final boss into the game. It's like fighting Bowser in level one, and then you keep seeing him over and over again. Um, <laughs> yeah, two things to their credit to that point is that you know this time the the villain, the villain, I guess the enemy or whatever you want to call it, wasn't you know just some nameless monster in a test tube, but it was actually this tragic character who you know, created this thing, but was killed by it, betrayed by his own company. And you mm-hmm. kind of, in a way, you know, he has a family, you kind of feel for him in a way. Um, uh, yeah, you not get that to... he was a great guy developing bioweapons or anything, no, but there's yeah. a little bit more to his story than just like being a monster in a test tube. Well, and yeah, I think that was you... to their credit. Yeah, because you do meet his family along the way. So you, you get to experience what he meant to these people through them. Um, and, right. and yeah, so, you know, Capcom did a lot of work just evolving their, their storytelling chops, of course, is as well in this one uh i do love one final note uh-huh. how the final the absolute final boss of the game you know at the end of the b scenario is that giant tentacle monster on the train and you know you still have the rocket launcher from you know the previous tyrant fight or whatever and the very first thing you do is if you still have that one round in the rocket launchers you're like okay screw this i'm just using the rocket launcher because that uh-huh. always gets the job done right but you fire that rocket into the thing and it just keeps coming at you and you're like, oh my God, what? And then you just keep firing and firing everything you have at it. And it was just such a good touch because, you know, at the first, at the end of the first Resident Evil, you have this moment where you pick up this rocket launcher. It's this beast of a weapon. It instantly decimates the, you know, the tyrant. And at the end of Resident Evil 2, you know, even the best weapon that got you through, you know, the game in Resident Evil 1 still doesn't even like take it out. You have to blow up the entire train in order for the thing oh, to finally yeah. die. Yeah, because it's just like it's like this like self regenerating organism. It's like this it's like this twisted form of evolution um and like cell regeneration. So there's a lot of like science behind it too. And I think this is something that um that actually the what I've seen of the remake so far is doing an excellent job of selling, even though it's it's a weird change. I think it's gonna take people some time to get used to it. It was just like how the characters look and how they talk and their 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 voices and just the, like the the age that they're at because like you're playing as these characters who even though they have all these these weapons and they're they're they seem to have some experience with this i think they're you forget almost with the old graphics that they're just young people they're in like the early 20s and they have no idea what's going on so they're just i mean they're completely ignorant of what's happening um and i think the new game has already done a pretty great job of like 
you just see the look in the eyes of these characters and they look just terrified basically yeah i personally love the fact that they look younger i think it does a lot to sell like you know leon being a rookie and claire being a college kid and they're just being totally out of their element and just kind of like by circumstance and grit they somehow managed to scrape scrape mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. um but yeah that 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 about does it for all of my uh my bullet points on the uh, first game awesome or well, the yeah the original game rather yeah i mean i think that lays an excellent groundwork for you know just all the things that obviously if you're familiar with the game um you know what we're talking about and if you're not go look up screenshots and you'll probably be shocked at what they were able to achieve with with what limited means they had uh the combat system the camera system lighting the atmosphere all the backstory they wrote all these like documents they had to write copy for just so when you picked it up it felt like a handwritten letter that someone actually wrote to the chief police officer and stuff like that. Um, all these things they did, you know, they have to rebuild this entire game and they have to reinterpret how you approach everything now because they've changed the camera system completely, which is the boldest change they could have done, taking it away from a fixed perspective, putting the, uh, the camera right behind the player's shoulder so it's with them at all times, more like a steady cam thing. It's a camera style they introduced in Resident Evil 4, and it was really successful. And it seems like they've kind of combined that design with the tech from the latest Resident Evil 7, which was a first-person shooter. And they decided we're going to meld these two ideas together and use them to remake Resident Evil 2, which, and so much of what made those games was the camera angle. And, I mean, I personally, I think it's working so far from what I've seen. How do you feel about it? I definitely think it's working. Um... I was very, very adamant about them keeping the third-person fixed camera angles, but, you know, I'm trying to imagine uh, a modern-day Resident Evil, you know, not not the remastered remake, because I think that game is very, very good. It's my favorite Resident Evil, but... The the other remake. If it were to... Your Resident Evil 1 remake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite game of all time, so, uh, you know, but I'm trying to imagine if that game were released today, what kind of what kind of sales it would get, what kind of publicity it would get, um, you know, and just how generally how it would play in today's landscape. And I think it would be enjoyable, but I wonder how much of that would be tempered just by my, my nostalgia. Um, mm. the, the other thing is that, you know, one thing that the over-the-shoulder third-person perspective does give uh, the player the ability to do is engage in combat that's more a little bit more dynamic and realistic. Um, you know, in Resident Evil remake uh of the first game um you know enemies basically move in they move up and down and they move toward you or away from you but there's not there's not a good sense of like lateral movement really um like enemies can't like jump off of walls or like stick to walls they can stick to ceilings or they can be on the ground um sure you know in this game i'm thinking there's going to be times where lickers probably jump to the ceiling and then they jump on the wall and then they jump to the other wall and then they jump on the ground like and the third, the third person over the shoulder really gives you the ability to have very intense combat with moving targets. Um, that creates like a very strong sense of urgency, I think. Uh, the other thing I was kind of worried about was, you know, with over the shoulder third person, I think a lot of times it can be very, like it, it, it tends to skew more action-y and you tend to feel very powerful. Um, and, you know, in, in a survival horror game, I think that's sort of to its detriment uh so you know i'm watching a little bit of the gameplay um you know watching leon fire i noticed that when he initially takes aim 
the crosshairs are very wide and when you fire you know your bullet might hit anywhere in, in between those wide crosshairs but if you hold for a couple seconds the crosshairs tighten and your target becomes a lot more focused mm-hmm. um which i thought that was a really good design choice a really really strong design choice and that's that's sort of like how resident evil 7 is as well um because not only does it you know not only does it make the combat a little bit more f- uh, f- uh frenetic and chaotic because you know a lot of times you just have to take draw like aim and then just fire because something's like a couple feet away from you um and you're just kind of like i just have to hit this thing anywhere i can hit it but it also kind of you know plays to the story a little bit because you know leon is a rookie cop and it would make sense that he's not great at blind firing now he's just you know he's just getting started right you know he's not that he's not the leon kennedy we know in resident evil 4 um and same you know same with claire claire redfield i'm sure she's the same way um, you know, these aren't like seasoned veterans. These are literally the first time they ever encounter these uh, these enemies, and the first time they ever they're ever called to this sort of challenge. Yeah, um, I, I think that when I noticed too was that it seemed like if you stopped walking, that helped, which is like an excellent compromise if that's true um, to going forward and evolving this game to use a third person over the shoulder camera but keeping some of that slowness and like it because in resident evil 2 you couldn't run and gun you had to stay put as you shot so in this way it almost encourages you to like revisit that methodology of okay i'm gonna stand still get the perfect shot take my best shot because ammo is very low um getting bit by anything getting hit by anything deals a lot of damage and there's not a lot of healing resources you really have to make the most with what you have and in, in the, I briefly watched part of the, the gameplay uh, demo that, that was going on at E3, watched the trailers, and then the first one gave a little bit. The second trailer was excellent, as you pointed out, and really showed more of what we thought we were going to see, which was the environments and the exploration and the action. And then this gameplay trailer just really is like the seamless, non-cut, um, what happens moment to moment. And I found myself tense watching it. Because there's so many times that Leon shoots and he misses because a zombie swayed or he was maybe just a little bit off. And that's exactly how it felt in RE2 when you're shooting and you're not really aiming, you're kind of just guessing. And you think, okay, well, I'm pointed in his direction. And you have to keep like shimming and pivoting to get the right angle. And there's all this tension with every time you miss, the zombie gets closer and he lunges at you. I think that this new game already has, it just seems like that was happening over and over again to whoever was playing it. So I think to, you yeah. know, to their credit, I think they've really found a, you know, using the tech that is already there, but just tweaking the timing and the interactivity so that it gives you that same sensation of, okay, like I really have to practice and get used to this. Cause I'm new to this, just like the characters are. So I think that right. was really excellently done. Yeah. I, mind if I butt in? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, go for it. <laughs> um yeah no i think that like you know to your point that um you know in the first in in the original resident evil 2 you know you're right that you do have to kind of like turn and kind of angle your shots a bit i think you know to its detriment that's one of the limitations of the third the over the fixed camera third person is that you don't always see the geometry between you and the zombie so you can't you can't always line up your shot right mm-hmm. um and i think that in this game from what i've seen it's you know if you miss a shot it's not due to the limitations of the technology it's because like you didn't either line up the shot or you know the zombie moved and i think that was a really that was one of my big fears going into the remake was okay if they're going to go with traditional zombies and they're going to go with over the shoulder 
how are they going to make the combat feel like you aren't just some like all powerful, you know, super killing zombie machine. Um, and, and they did it in such a perfect way as insofar as what I've seen yet so far, which is, uh, you know, making the, making the aiming system a little bit more uh, chaotic, making it an incredibly claustrophobic environment, making enemies come at you from both sides. You know, the zombies are still slow, but they created the way that they created the, uh, the environments and the way that they placed zombies strategically makes, makes it, makes you feel like you never really have the upper ground, the high ground. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, they did this in resident evil seven too, which is, you know, the molded, they, they really jerk and sway and move like in these strange, unpredictable ways. And I think that, you know, to the developers credits, uh, the zombies do the same similar things and that makes them a much harder target. You know, if they just walked at you in a straight line and didn't move at all, they'd be so easy to just pick off, but instead they're lurching, they're swaying, they're, you know, they each have their own individual walks and movement. And that makes the combat so much harder just because you're trying to predict how these enemies are going to move. Yeah. And even though you can't, I think one of the few, um, you know, I miss, I'm going to miss this comments that I was already hearing was, oh, you know, hearing the noise off screen. But I think what's happening is already there was maybe three instances where you turn a corner and then sway and turn around. And I just felt like I would be lost. I would have no idea where I'm at in this police department. And then you turn a corner you thought you revisited and it's actually a different corner and there's a zombie just waiting there for you. And you just flash the light and they're already there. It's too late. So yeah, like you said, there's you really never have the upper hand, it feels like, which is exactly how Resident Evil should feel. When you feel like you have enough to carry on and okay, I'm, I'm stocked up on everything. I know the lay of the land. They always throw some curveball at you. And I think this is like a really great way to do that. And it doesn't even look like they changed the layout of, you know, the layout for the old game was made because it, you have a layout that is um, working in concert with your camera system. And the fact that they were able to already what looks like preserve almost the exact layout or the majority of it and then change the camera system and give you a dynamic fully 3D camera is crazy to me. And they're still able to, it seems like from the reactions I've been reading that they've really struck a great balance. I think that just speaks to how well this game's core design held up and that they can, they can be that liberal with the like fundamental gameplay mechanic, which is like, how do you inter, inter, like interpret the camera and what it's telling you? Uh, two of the other things I, I wanted to hit on uh, with what we've seen in the remake are the interface and just like the 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 atmosphere and like this photorealism that we're getting um which 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 would you want to talk about first um let's go well there was the atmosphere and what was the other uh the interface oh the interface yeah let's start with the interface okay um i mean what i saw of it briefly was it looked super clean uh was not like resident evil 2 and resident evil 1 sort of iconic menu where you go into this grid of boxes and you see your character and you see your heartbeat and you see your items it seemed um it i didn't play resident evil 7 so it looks like it drew from resident evil 7's inventory system quite a bit am i am i wrong uh no it looks very similar to resident evil 7 yeah Mm -hmm. and because of the um you know the atmospherics and how dark the game is uh they they added a lot of little tool tips and you, part of the game was going up to just any inanimate object and seeing if it would offer you some some information or an item or hidden thing and it seems like now they're sort of pretty generously calling out where things are so you can actually find some things that are helpful 
Yeah, so I things I like about the interface, you know, I do like that it is really slim. Um, things I noticed are that a lot of the elements will only pop up when they're relevant. So, for example, you know, right after you get bit by a zombie, your health will pop up for a couple of seconds, just showing you, you know, either A, you're fine, B, you're, you know, you better watch out, or C, you're about to die, you better get the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, which I really, I really thought was a nice touch. Like it kind of blends, like you know, the tip, the the Resident Evil 4 HUD or the Resident Evil, you know, 7 life uh, total, but doesn't it doesn't get in the way and ruin the, you know, atmosphere. Um, it's only there when it needs to be. And same thing with the ammo. Like, you know, when you when you take aim, your ammo appears just little numbers in the corner, very simple, very classy. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I did. I did like a lot, you know, and then there are those buttons that come up sort of the action buttons uh, when you approach objects that you can interact with. And I don't love that to be honest um it's it's resident evil 7 did it a couple other resident evils did it and i think it does sort of detract from the sort of movie-like vibe that the original resident evils had with no interface at all yeah um, yeah you like the of, exploration you know, yeah yeah and uh you know i but i do also understand that that is sort of necessary because the game is so dark um, that things aren't always really laid out for you. You don't know, like, hey, can I open this? Hey, can I engage with this this object? I do understand that, you know, it is sort of necessary, mm-hmm. but it, at the same time, it is kind of strange, like, when you when you see Leon walk into a room and all of a sudden all these X's pop up. In the originals, it was almost like you could tell a little bit which items were interactive because they were trying to hide in plain sight, but they weren't, you know, some elements of the background were sort of photorealistic for the time, and they were part of this painterly scene you're in and then there'd be one object like a locker and it would look a little more janky than the other lockers and you'd go up to it and <laughs> yeah. be oh this one opens because it's a 3d object and it's like got yeah. jaggy pixels around it and it's a different color blue so i think there's right. that i do think that and this is something i was thinking about too when you mentioned um the, the like the chatter that leon has with himself as he's talking to himself and i did notice it when it was in the trailer and i thought yeah, I don't think I want to hear that because I think that's what I would say when I'm playing the game. Like I would start right. swearing and being like, oh no, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want this thing that's about to happen to happen, but I know it's happening and it's happening. Oh God. And I think Leon right. was sort of doing that for the player. And I think as a viewer, it sort of helps maybe fill that gap. But I do hope that they offer some simple options like toggles like turn off tooltips or turn off helpers yeah um, turn I off really hope turn off case. like non there's sometimes he makes comments about things in the environment like if there's something in the room as you walk in like having an initial reaction is kind of nice to set the tone but i think the constant reacting to everything happening it's like just shut up and don't die <laughs> like i'll do yeah. the talking on that note that is one thing that i really did not like watching the watching the gameplay trailers was just it just felt so hokey and sort of like, you know, it, it, it's trying to tell you what to think or and Resident Evil has always kind of been a silent game. And, and that's to its strength, I think, is just that, you know, every sound that you hear matters. Yeah, um, yeah. You're always keeping totally. your ears open for something, you know, shambling down the hallway. But if Leon's too busy talking about like, oh, man, these things are everywhere. Oh, no. What is that? Like, it just. It, it ruins the atmosphere. Like, I don't want somebody talking to me. I just want to hear the ambient noise in the background. Um, so there's that. And then the only other thing that really, really rubbed me the wrong way and just seemed kind of counter to the spirit of Resident Evil was the um, 
the like the tool tips that told you where to go i really didn't like that i didn't see um, that what was that yeah so like after he frees the one after he tries to save the one guy like under the gate spoiler alert. oh no he does not um, save that dude yeah so after he does that there's a there's a real quick like tool tip that comes up in the upper left hand corner that says like return to the main hall of the police station or something like that and i really hope there's a way to turn that off because to me that just ruins like the whole point of like the whole like spirit of resident evil to me has always been that like doesn't hold your hand you know when you shoot shots they're like there it is your choice to spend those shots like you those shots are never coming back to you yeah (laughs) um you know, mm-hmm. at least in the original Resident Evils, the the more recent ones where you, enemies just drop ammo and mass is different. But you know, it, it's never hold, held your hand, and you know, I think that for it to straight up tell you you need to go back to this location just feels too like modern RPG ish to me. Um, you know, I want to have to struggle through making mistakes. I want to have to like try to open a door while zombies are chasing me and then be screwed and then try to open another door and then realize it's locked and there's a zombie right at like two, two feet away. Yeah. Like, it's, it's trying to find that safe haven and trying to find that like place where you can get a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And I just feel like, you know, overlays like that where they're just like, you need to go here and do this thing just totally wrecks the, wrecks the mood. of Yeah. It. I think that's a, that's a modern kind of Western game design approach of leaving the breadcrumb trail a little bit. And that's very not what Resident Evil does. And I think that's their way of of adding that for maybe new players. I just, I hope that's like a thing that is either, you know, maybe they reserve that for like an easy mode and that's like a layer on top of that that is helpful. But I do hope for anything normal and especially like a hard mode, they either just shut that off or they um, they just offer some section of like an option section that's like helpers and you can just, there's different layers and classes of things and you can decide maybe how hard or how unforgiving, how unforgiving or how um, generous the game is towards your play experience. Cause you know, I've seen people play resident evil today. I've seen people play the remake that don't remember it maybe quite as well as you and I do. And you get lost and then you think, where do I have to go? But there's something fun about like, even that moment you just mentioned, you get this guy's like moleskin journal and he has this really, shoddy drawing of where you need to go and i love that because it was like the most resident evil thing this like super undetailed um drawing of where you need to go and you have to figure out where is this on the map and you have to sort of piece it together and think three-dimensionally about the space you're in and keep referring back to things and i think that there's some fun with that that is a very like that is a very resident evil thing to do then contrast it immediately with go here to this room specifically when there's like a cursor on a map and it just feels like yeah like you you wouldn't know you wouldn't have that top level view as the person in the game it's more immersive to just like okay i have a map you have to reorient yourself where do you go next so yeah i think i'd agree with that but that seems like that's that's where the fans i think step in and they say hey here's a simple suggestion that's like not super engineering heavy hopefully where you don't have to change the gameplay balance but you can let the player decide what they're comfortable with so yeah that would be ideal i really hope they do something like that you mentioned that guy um not getting saved um and i think that that leads into i think the the final thing i want to talk about which is just the photorealism that this game has and i was really shocked and surprised one by um how gruesome this game actually is um you're able to hide the even though when Resident Evil 2 came out, it was considered really gory and it was had a mature rating. 
And this game is like, I don't even want to say campy gory. It just looks really real. And it's really shocking. And I was not expecting them to go this far with it. I don't think it made my stomach turn all the way, but I was just surprised. Um, and that guy or the way he the way he goes is really rough. And it's like, I thought Leon was just going to vomit like right there on the spot. Because <laughs> I was like, that's probably the appropriate reaction to your first day on the job. The first guy you don't save. Not good. But on top of that, then the other thing that stood out to me was the facial animation is incredible. I mean, that the, 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 the other cop that saves you then, who's like a famous character, is it Marvin, right? From, yeah, from the second game. Yeah. That's like an iconic moment from the second game. It's this like moment of relief and, and, and like camaraderie that happens in the midst of all this chaos. And he, they put him in it and, and he, he gets introduced slightly differently. It's a curveball. But when he started talking, I couldn't believe how good the facial animation and the voice acting was. I mean, I was really impressed. So we'll start there and then get, I want to close probably on the environments, but um, what, what did you think of like the gore and all that? And then like the, you know, the characters. Yeah. So um, the gore. So I guess it all depends on the, on, like you were saying, it's very photorealistic. Um, and, you know, looking back to the origin of the series, Resident Evil's really always been a game that relied heavily on graphical integrity i think um you know sure. yeah i'd agree they, with that. They, they used yeah they used like the pre-rendered backgrounds but to a point uh to a to a for a good reason it was to create that sense of environment that you know would really immerse people in the game so that they would get scared um yeah it was and... never trying to be it was never trying to be too stylized for its time like it was trying to be realistic Right. Yeah. And the 3D models for the characters in Resident Evil 1, you know, they were pretty good. They were really good for their time. 1996, I mean, uh, if you look at the games that came out around them, it was up up, up there. And part of that was the pre-rendered backgrounds took a lot of stress off of, you know, the processing of the PlayStation 1 so that it could render the 3D models with higher integrity. Um, you know, and the pre-rendered backgrounds carried on to Resident Evil 2 and eventually to Resident Evil Remake. And, you know, Remake is where you Resident Evil remake one which for the gamecube came out in 2001 um and that's the game where you really really notice like the graphics of this game are insane i remember playing that game i remember the night we played that game yeah. as teenagers ate like 50 nerd ropes and a DiGiorno pizza and oh drank, yeah like, seven Pepsis. and that wasn't and that wasn't a time <laughs> when we had like i don't i don't even remember like that being a time where i was like on youtube or on forums like that game just came out and what you had of that game was maybe a review in a magazine, some yep. thumbnails on the back of the box, and they looked yep. great. And it was like this trust pact of this looks sweet. I'm going to trust this rules. And then, you know, <laughs> neither was did. like a demo for it. Yeah. And it was amazing. Then that first time you walk in the mansion, you visited that main hall room so many times and it's not flatly lit. It doesn't look like it's inviting you in for like a dinner party. It looks so oppressive and moody and gothic like you said and it's just like i could not believe that it looked it looks this way and that's the feeling i got when they first showed the police um the main police hall this time yeah oh my goodness it looked amazing yeah i mean obviously the graphical and the graphics uh in this game are are keeping with that trend uh you know fully 3d now which is even more impressive in a lot of ways but uh but yeah, I mean, it looks incredible. Um, you know, I played Resident Evil 7, and I remember that game just looking absolutely amazing. I mean, some of the locales in that game were just excellent. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it does a lot to set the mood and set the, the tension. Um, and, you know, the gore, 
very realistic, like you said. And I think that just creates a, a greater sense of unease and, you know, that, that fear that if you don't play your cards right or save enough ammo, you're, that's going to mm-hmm. end up being you, you know? Um, I think the mind like unconsciously sees that and just kind of dreads that sort of end. Um, and I think, you know, the graphics do really play to that. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, we're talking about like Leon's uh, Leon and Claire's new look and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but yeah, I don't really find it to be that big of a deal. Um, Me neither. I think it I looks think, great. I think it was intentional. Yeah. I think it looks fine. And uh, you know, watching the gameplay, you know, and actually seeing the characters interact, like in not just through a trailer, but actually through the gameplay itself. Like, you know, I do think they have tons of emotiveness and uh yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see how all that plays yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, in the old games, some of the other enemies. In the old games, you really didn't even see their pupils. I mean, there was so little detail in the face. They had to express everything with their hands, like you know, yeah. every we were always pantomiming what they do, where they're kind of like pointing all their fingers because all their fingers are bound together because they couldn't render every finger, and the characters are just kind of like swatting and swiping and it looks more like they're doing kung fu than talking to each other but that's the only way the character could express was through body language and so now you have the moisture on the skin and the sweat and you can see the blood and like the gunpowder and it's and and then the eyes are so expressive too that they can say so much and i think we've only ever really seen leon and claire and those characters in full detail um when they were older so we never got to really see what they would look like it really feels appropriate and i i I hope that they stick with that and i hope that they don't try to change their faces sometimes games do that like the next time you see a marketing image it's like oh it looks a little bit different but i think i think they made the right call and i think it's going to set the tone really well and um yeah i'm happy with how that looks i think lastly on the on the graphics on the environments i think when when you and i first saw what they were doing and we weren't sure what direction they were going to do the camera and the first time they show the third person leon walking towards um some building in the distance that's lit up with the moon behind it that was like okay it's third person resident evil four style. Here we go back to what, where this conversation started about just, okay. In resident evil two, it's really the only one. And yeah, it was resident evil three as well. It's a different part of the city, but re two is really the one in the series that we get to see raccoon city before it is just like, you know, without massive, massive spoilers for anyone who hasn't played it. Like it's unrecognizable without getting specific. Like, I mean, it's the only time you get to see it, like the penultimate version of the city before it's just like wrecked. I'm glad they did this because I hoped somewhere along the lines they had a conversation that was, if we're going to go back and do the game that was about Raccoon City uh, and the environment was so much a character of that game, like let's really show it off and, and really show what we can do with this new engine we have. And it just made me appreciate that they did that because, I mean, it, it is a sprawling city and having that ground level view, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, playing World of Warcraft and seeing some iconic locations that you saw in Warcraft 3, and they're not just these miniature, like, representations of areas. They're actually the area, and you can view it from a more realistic perspective. Um, And so I I really appreciate that, and I just think the environments look incredible. Yeah, I'm very excited to see. um, The lighting is amazing. Uh, I guess they used, like, the RE7 engine because, you know, the lighting was so good, so efficient in that, but... Yeah, I'm really excited to see Raccoon City in like the Raccoon City streets, like in full effect. You know, yeah. Um, in my sort of like dream world where I was fantasizing about <laughs> what Resident Evil 2 remake would look like, I just pictured like, uh, you know, Leon or 
Claire walking through the streets of Raccoon City and just like garbage blowing through the wind and like it's raining and there's like fires everywhere and you know you're walking through these like creepy alleys and you know zombies turn the corner and um you know there's feeding frenzies and just like this total hellscape um so i'm really really excited to see what they do with that i imagine my my guess is that they're gonna just make the streets of raccoon city be like run just run and like occasionally take out a zombie if it's in your way but like i think it's just gonna be like a total zombie fest yeah mad dash Um, to the police station pretty much yeah maybe with some quieter areas interspersed but i'm i'm looking forward to that but uh yeah my one so i think the environments definitely look amazing you know it looks like it looks like they just did they just took just like they did in, in resident evil remake you know one uh they just took such tremendous care to make these environments look like they really would look like a, the police station looks like it was just attacked by a zombie they were trying to fend off a zombie attack like there's a water main break because the bathrooms are the bathrooms are all flooded there's like missing persons posters like hanging up there's there's like files and folders and carts uh, like you know that looks like they've been rifled through like in a like in a hasty fashion yeah they it looks like they turned the one area into like a um impromptu medical center corner with like yeah. the curtains and stuff right yeah. Um, it just looks so like it, they, the design, the, the thinking behind it was just so excellent. One thing I will say is that, like, you know, I noticed, like, I was watching the gameplay footage a little bit, and, and I noticed a lot of the areas were really dark, and, you know, Leon had to use his flashlight. Um, and I think that's really good in a lot of ways because, you know, it creates a sense of, like, claustrophobia. You can only really see what your light lets you see. But I do hope that some of the areas in the game are better lighted just so that we can really, A, take a breath and, you know, really appreciate the environment and B, you know, just see the work that they've done and, yeah. uh, you know, see these, see these like places that we love in their full glory. Yeah, there were some locations that I immediately recognized and then there were some that I did not recognize that I knew probably just look that way because mostly because of the darkness and because of the perspective and you're looking for those iconic like lines that are created and the um just the perspective like the forced perspective that you're you get from certain rooms and you're waiting to see that cut or that shot because it was so heavily directed in the original game and when you don't get that some of the rooms do that they kind of start you down a hallway and they're like okay this looks pretty close or you walk into the um, the police station for the first time, and yeah, this is pretty much the same viewpoint that they they offer to us uh, when you walk into it in the original. But it, I think a lot of the like sort of nondescript hallways and and uh, like interludes between the main rooms it threw me off a little bit. So I do hope, like you said, they it, it, even just turning the lights on and seeing like the color of the paint on the walls, uh, I think would really help like help us the fans recognize like yeah, this is that room that you remember and, and it had a lot of good memories and maybe not good ones, fond memories, uh, <laughs> nightmares, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, I, so I agree with that. Um, I mean, what else do you, what else do you, what do you want to see next from this? What are, you, what are you looking forward to? We only have six months to wait. So it's not like game coming out sometime in development. It's like, it's coming out soon. It's probably close to it's, it's close to done at this point, I think. Yeah. I don't even know at this point. Like I, I don't even know if I want to know anything else because I just kind of want it to Going be fresh. a surprise. I wanted to see the gameplay because I wanted to know, you know, if it was 
like true to the Resident Evil franchise, and I think it's definitely where it needs to be. Um, minus the, you know the minor minor things that we said, I think it looks like an excellent game. But you know, you're right. There was no there was no news. Like I don't even think YouTube existed at that point. We were freshmen in high school, so um, I remember going into GameStop, which was eBay, Electronic Boutique, or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, oh man, like, EB. Yeah, EB Games, and uh, I remember they they had a demo of it. And I remember seeing for like three seconds the graphics and how great they looked. And I remember turning around really quickly and being like, nope, don't want to see any more. I want it to be like a total surprise, but that looks amazing. And then when I actually got to experience it, it just like blew me away. Um, you know, today in the day of the, inter- the age of the internet, it's pretty imp- pretty impossible to do that. But I think I might try to go radio silence on like a lot of the updates and stuff because yeah. I really just want to be totally surprised by it now. Yeah, beyond what I saw, I mean, once he once he met Marvin... And that scene where he was just, you know, don't hesitate and the look that on their face. I'm like, that's a great place to cut. Like, that's a great that that could have been the trailer right there. Um, That was that was all I needed to see was them take that first act and show us their vision for how they were going to reinterpret it and adapt it. And it looks like it's in incredible hands. And, uh, you know, they did it. They They did. They did. We do. We do it. And we did. We do it. We did it. We do it. I love that. I know. They and did you see that we team photo they shared? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. They it seems like I mean that's gotta feel so good. You know, like I, I think if anything to close on, it's like they after Resident Evil Six and even Resident Evil Five, Capcom was really starting to lose um lose their core fan base, I think. And like the older fans, maybe they got some newer fans because the the game sold well and they were more action heavy. Uh, they were geared maybe towards a more Western audience and they were faster paced. Um, but it, it just felt like they were just jumping the shark over and over again with where they wanted to take the series and it was just getting lost. And I think with Resident Evil 7, it was, you know, not only subtitled Biohazard, which is like, okay, brownie points for that, but they just realized, you know, we need to go back to our roots. And then they're doubling down and are like, okay, now let's take this engine we made and go and remake the one that we everyone's been clamoring for and they've done it and you know within a very short span of time they've done these two games back to back and it just shows me that they've they've really like course corrected and and they are listening and they want to deliver something that people and like the fans are going to appreciate and that there's still an audience for for these slower more plotting survival horror games i entirely agree with that statement i'm very proud of them yeah me too uh man I think we're going to have to meet up again whenever this comes out in January and uh, beat it and then and then regroup and see what we think. Hell yes. All right. Just a weekend of nerd ropes and DiGiorno pizzas oh, and yeah. Pepsi and just, um, like, the worst our body can take. There's got to be like, I don't even think nerd rope exists anymore, but if it does, I'm going to buy the rest of it. <laughs> it's probably in like a warehouse in like Texas or something. I, I remember. I remember we had like these like single serve cups of pringles oh hell yeah you know like not just like a you know not a a column of pringles just these little single serve ones we just kept opening them and opening them i don't think your parents were were at home we had this we this new surround sound system that you guys had had finished installing and we just blasted it i was so terrified because then you look out the window and it's like yeah like you know there could be a zombie outside right now and as a kid you're like your imagination runs wild and just uh yeah that game was so scary i i remember what was it that that one room where 
I was like point blank with a grenade launcher or something. <laughs> and there's a zombie just lurking from the closet. And it was like right in front of me. And I just kept pivoting and then pivoting. And there was just yep. like fire grenades flying around in this bedroom and just like, pew, pew. And then, <laughs> and then I remember got- the one room with like the crows in it and like they were off screen and we just heard like the, Rah! and we thought it was a crimson head. So we just stood and like pointed at the camera with our gun for like <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. And then we expecting this like thing to run around the corner. Oh Yeah. Oh man, that was good. I I can't wait to see what surprise. And that was like those crimson heads were a huge surprise. Like who knows what they're going to do with this one? Oh, I know. I'm I'm very interested to see like what kind of wacky stuff they throw at us. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Alex. Thanks for talking with me. I I you know this is super exciting. We've been we've been nerding out about this like all week pretty much. Um, oh heck yeah. So yeah, thanks for thanks yeah, for doing thanks. this kind of last minute. It's really fun to talk about this, and uh, hope to have you back soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been awesome. I get to talk about one of my favorite games and, you know, I'm always down to chat Resident Evil. So, oh yeah. And who knows, maybe one day, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make a Resident Evil 2 fan film. <laughs> Just have to rent a police station. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Music from today's episode comes from the official soundtracks to both the Resident Evil 1, the remake, and Resident Evil 2, the original. Thanks for tuning in to this first episode of Screen Looking. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, we'd much appreciate if you could leave a review in the iTunes store, the podcast app, wherever you're listening to it from. Hopefully we can get this show into other podcast apps and networks, but one thing at a time, starting small here and seeing how this goes, but... You know, any feedback or reviews you could give us uh, would definitely help out, uh, help get this show noticed and uh, get it some more listeners. We have more episodes in the works, so if you think you'd want to tune in in the future, definitely subscribe so you're apprised of any future releases. Uh, Up next, at the end of June, we'll be talking about another remake of a classic PlayStation series from the mid to late 90s, and that is the original Crash Bandicoot trilogy. Uh, It was remade and released last June as the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, made by Vicarious Visions. And we're going to be doing a bit of a retrospective on the original series and then transition into talking about, uh, you know, our our thoughts on the remake a year later. Uh, That series was actually, that remake was a lot to digest because you're getting three games in one. And most of all, because it's one of my, if not my favorite, video game series, uh, especially as a kid growing up. So... Yeah, that should be a really fun conversation. Uh, I'm going to be having my partner, fiance, Hillary, as my guest on that episode. Uh, she was also an avid Crash Bandicoot fan growing up, so that was something we really bonded over in our relationship, and we're really looking forward to talking about that some more. As a primer to that episode, if you're interested, I'd highly recommend you go read my guest feature piece on Engadget from last year. It was called The Remaking of Crash Bandicoot. I got to sit down with the developers of Icarious Visions and ask all sorts of questions about why they were remaking the series, how they were remaking it from a technical standpoint, uh, what was inspiring them along the way and driving them through this process. Uh, there's a lot of cool concept art from the original trilogy that uh, they had from Naughty Dog. There are some cool sort of tech demos for like the art style and the animation that they were trying to replicate 
and bring into 2017 last year, all the way from 1996. So they were just showing uh, some cool instances of how that process went from going all the way back to the original concept art to this new game that has this really lush sort of Pixar quality to it. Um, so yeah, uh, if you're interested to learn more about the trilogy before we talk about it a little more candidly, uh, definitely go read that. Uh, again, it's called Remaking of Crash Bandicoot, and that can be found on Engadget. Thanks so much again for joining us. I'm Andrew Kuhar signing off, and until the next time, happy gaming. That was too close.